Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about learning new things and how having an openness to this newness can help us improve our well-being, particularly our relationship with ourselves and our four pillars. But before we do that, I just want to give you a heads up that at the end of this episode, there will be something different because I've put in a ghost story. (laughs) It's just under eight minutes, and I thought given the spooky time of year, because when this goes out, it's going to be a couple weeks before Halloween. I thought it would be fun to share with you this ghost story that I had written and produced last year that I had put up on my YouTube channel that you probably had missed. And I'll also put a direct link to that video in case you would rather just watch it on YouTube or listen to it on YouTube. There's nothing to watch. There's just like a graphic, but it's just an audio drama. You can listen to it on YouTube instead of as part of this episode if that's not what you'd like to do. But I'm putting it up there for you and hopefully you will enjoy it. I wrote this ghost story a couple of years ago. I had this very vivid dream and when I woke up, I basically wrote down everything that had happened in the dream and that is essentially the story. So when you listen to the story, that's a dream I had. (laughs) I wrote it from the perspective, obviously, of a character, not myself, but in the dream, I was the main character, the wife. And so it's rare that I get story ideas from dreams and even when dreams do inspire a story it's rarely such a complete story and so in that case this is pretty unique because essentially I had this dream and it was the whole story from beginning to end so I got up at like three in the morning and I was like sitting in the bathroom writing this dream down on my phone before I could go back to bed and then basically the next day I sat down at my computer and typed it all up so it's only about two to 3,000 words. When you listen to it as an audio production, it'll be just under eight minutes. So it's short. It really is a short story. And I thought it would just stay as a written short story, just like something spooky I would share with my newsletter or with my fans during the Halloween season. But then about a year after that, I took an audio editing course, mostly to help me learn how to be a better podcaster, to do better audio projects. And one of the assignments for that class was to tell a story. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. I'll do my ghost story because it's short. There won't be a ton of audio editing. I didn't want to do like a longer piece that would have really taken a lot of time. And also ghost stories are super atmospheric. You know, you can use spooky sound effects and the story in particular, it's got like blowing wind and (laughs) so it's very atmospheric. And I was really pleased with how it turned out. And if it wasn't so much work, even just for that little eight minute video, I would have probably made a lot more of them since then because it was a lot of fun and I was really happy with how it turned out in the end. And so you can listen to it. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you do love it I mean maybe I will do some kind of fiction (laughs) scary story podcast it wouldn't be hard to convince me but anyway when I was thinking about sharing that story with you for the Halloween season I started thinking about how that story came to be 
And that's what got me thinking about learning new things, because I took the audio course because I wanted to learn a new thing. And this sort of illustrated for me the point about being willing to learn new things, being confident in our ability to learn new things, that is definitely connected to our sense of well-being. Because it's often when we don't feel like we can get out of something, we don't feel like we can survive a situation, that we start to feel really stuck. And this self-confidence, this self-belief that we can learn something, even if we're out of our depths, we can move from one place of not knowing what to do to knowing how to make something work. So it's a very important ability to have this belief that we can shift our situation. And you might even be thinking, I'm not a learner. I don't have a learner's mindset. And I would tell you that it's a trait that can be cultivated, that you can learn how to be a learner. I don't think that it's necessarily something that's inherent to just a certain kind of person. Maybe it's easy for some people to learn new things. Even if you don't consider yourself to be a learner, I think that you can learn how to learn. (laughs) It's very possible. But again, it's more important that you develop that self-belief that you can learn something, that you can learn things that you didn't think that you would ever be able to learn. I've also heard this idea referred to as a growth mindset, but I don't want to talk about it in the ways that I've heard it talked about before. Whenever I've come across the idea of a growth mindset, I'm using air quotes here, can't see them, but I'm doing doing the air quotes with my fingers. When I've read about quote growth mindset, it's very capitalist in its approach. It's usually in the context of be more productive, work smarter, not harder. And the points I hope to make about learning and how it's benefited me is pretty far removed from all of that. I mostly want to advocate for how having an openness to learning, having a belief that we can learn, will improve your relationship with yourself, with your mind, with your creativity, with your connection to joy. That learning is a tool for improving the quality of your life rather than as a means to do more for the sake of making more money, maybe, or to being more likable or more lovable. I think those ideas mostly confuse the issue that I'm trying to bring up. I also want to point out that when I talk about learning, I'm not talking about learning from a place of self-improvement. I am definitely guilty of that. If I could just be better at this, if I could just be more skilled or more accomplished, I would be a better person, I would be more likable, more worthy. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about learning for the sake of enjoyment, the kind of learning we do when we follow our interests or our passions or we see where our curiosity takes us. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about being open to learning. And without question, there are many benefits to learning. There's the knowledge or the skill itself that you acquire because learning expands your knowledge base or expands your ability to do the thing that you're learning how to do. And then you can take that information or you can take that skill and apply it to different areas of your your life. Learning also enhances our problem-solving skills because anytime you try to learn something, you come up against roadblocks or challenges, and it requires critical thinking or problem-solving in order to overcome those. And so skill development is always an exercise in building your problem-solving skills. It also helps us to develop patience with our problems. (laughs) The more we're used to having to learn something, to being over our head, to being confused about what's going on or not feeling like we're learning quick enough. It teaches us patience. The frustration that I feel that I can't just instantly speak a language overnight is real. It's palpable. It's frustrating. And so I've developed a lot of patience while learning languages. I have to be really patient with myself. I have to be patient with my brain. 
I have to be patient with making mistakes and just keep telling myself that I don't know what's going on right now and I'm not really good at this, but I will figure it out. And that's okay. It can be totally fine to take as much time as I need to learn how to do this. And then by far the most, what I think, beneficial benefit of learning is self-confidence because learning something new increases our self-confidence especially if we feel like there's a really slim chance that we could do that that we could learn that so for example let's say you never thought you'd be a good artist or you would never thought you'd be able to draw something and then you took some art classes and you practiced for a while and it started to really develop the artist's muscles, so to speak, all of this practice and work that you were doing. And then one day you just look up and you've produced something really good. You're going to be super impressed with yourself. And so it creates this positive feedback loop because you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm actually getting better. And then maybe other people might also recognize your growing abilities or acknowledge your new skills. And this recognition will reinforce your self-confidence as well. And so it creates this opportunity to positive self-talk yourself. So the next time you're being really hard on yourself, you can be like, what am I talking about? You see that painting over there on the wall? I did that. I made that painting. I did that drawing. I made that cat sculpture. (laughs) You know, you can be really proud of the thing that you've done that you didn't think that you could do before. And so it's definitely a confidence booster. Learning also builds our ability to persevere. So it makes us more patient with the challenges, more adaptable, like I mentioned, because learning also involves a lot of failure. We try something and it doesn't work. So we try it again. It doesn't work again. And eventually we become impervious to this kind of setback. We just don't get as disheartened as we used to. So for example, I've been a writer for a very long time now, and I can't even tell you how many times I've been rejected or someone passed over my story or they didn't want to publish something. If I had to guess, I'd say hundreds of times. I have no idea, but it's been many. It's been many times. And so now if someone rejects something, I'm just like, meh, they rejected it. (laughs) I'll try again tomorrow. I'll submit it to 10 more places tomorrow. You just get very impervious to this notion of hitting a setback or hitting a wall. And it really increases your ability to push through something to maintain a kind of connection or a vision that you can hold even though you run into walls or you don't get the outcome that you want. And so when something happens in your life, even if it's not anything to do with a creative project or something that you're learning, you're much more likely to react in the same kind of positive way because you've been essentially training yourself to deal with that sort of rejection or deal with that sort of difficult situation. But how do these benefits connect to our four pillars? And that depends on the context. So for pillar one, your relationship with your body, that probably will connect only if you're learning something like dance or yoga, something physical that allows you to get into your body more, to enjoy your body more, to help you experience the physicality of life, so to speak, more and more. But mostly I see the benefits of learning connected to pillars two and three. So pillar two is your relationship with your mind and emotions. So learning helps you to stimulate the mind obviously, but also taming the emotions because I don't know anyone who's ever tried to learn something ever (laughs) who hasn't been on an emotional roller coaster while they were trying to learn it. We get frustrated, we freak out, we fail, we have to try again. Learning can be very emotional, but it also builds the self-esteem and the self-confidence that I was just talking about. And then there's pillar three, which is your relationship with your spirit and Spirit benefits from learning because whatever you're learning, I hope, is a source of joy for you. Learning what lights you up, learning what excites you, 
trying new things, going new places. That's the best kind of learning, having fun while you're doing it, nurturing that expansive, adventurous, creative spirit that you've got. And then pillar four, if you're learning with other people, you can connect with them over your new shared learning experiences. But also, if you get really good at something, then you can teach something to other people. So that's another opportunity for connection as well. So there are a ton of benefits for learning. There's plenty of joy to be had through learning. But the truth is, is that we're not usually open to learning. And I'll give you a good example. I've mentioned it before, but I'll use it again because it's the best example I have of this, which is when I was learning how to drive, I was 15, and my dad had this enormous truck. We're talking like a two-ton, double-wheel, dually truck. And I'm only five foot tall and 15 years old. I think I grew with two more inches. I'm only 5'2 now, but I think I was probably like five feet at 15. And so I climb up into this truck, and I get behind the wheel, and he says, back it up. And I say, how? Or maybe even, I don't know how, because I'd never touched a steering wheel before. And he freaks out and he starts screaming at me and calling me an idiot. And he's basically giving me the worst time that you could possibly give a child because they don't know something. And that was just one of many moments. So there's another one when I remember I was helping him pull up carpet in this house that he was renovating. And I was putting down padding, pulling up carpet. And I I think it was like cut a corner wrong or something. Or I asked him how to cut the corner. And again, he flipped out because I didn't know what I was doing. Guys, I was like nine years old (laughs) putting down carpet in a house. I mean, like how skilled is I supposed to be? I'm sure you can gather from these two brief stories that my father instilled in me a fear of learning, a fear of not knowing what I'm doing. Because essentially that's what learning is, is that you have to be brave enough to not know what you're doing to start. And I just was never given that space to not know what I was doing growing up. It was just a very dangerous and precarious situation that was always provoked consequences. And so I wasn't allowed to be stupid and I wasn't allowed to not know what was going on. And it's not just me. A lot of us have these negative experiences with learning. And so we become more fixated on our fear of feeling stupid or our fear of failing instead of focusing on all the amazing things that learning could do for us. All those benefits I just mentioned, we totally overlook the fact that learning something might just be what changes the quality of our lives forever because we're too scared of looking stupid. But you're not stupid if you don't know how to do something. You're not stupid if you don't get it right every time. It's okay. Maybe someone told you it's not okay, but it absolutely is really, really okay to be a beginner and to know nothing when you start. So I have some questions for you, things to make you start thinking about your relationship with learning, whether or not you do currently invite enough learning into your life or if there's room for more of it. So my first question for you is, what would you learn if you were not afraid of looking stupid? What do you want to learn? Or maybe even what do you think that if you learned it, it would really improve the quality of your life or improve the quality of your relationship with yourself? And you can even do this as a journal entry if you want. You can write out some sentences that begin with something like, I want to learn blank because I think it would help me blank. So for example, I want to learn patience because I think it would help me live a more peaceful life. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) No one wants to learn patience. Good news, you don't have to learn patience. It's coming for you anyway. It's a free lesson free of charge, courtesy of life. But let's give you another example. Let's say that you want to write and you say, I really want to learn how to write because I love stories and I think it would really improve my connection to my creativity. Or maybe I want to learn Spanish because I think it would make traveling more fun. Or I want to learn forgiveness 
business because I think I'd sleep better at night. Or I want to learn how to sleep better at night because I think I'd enjoy my days more if I wasn't always exhausted. Or I want to learn how to cook because I love delicious food and it would be a really relaxing hobby, something to do in the evenings to wind down from the day. Or I want to learn snowboarding because all my friends can do it and they look super cool and I want to get out there on the slopes with them, which is not something I would ever personally wish for because... Because I think strapping your legs to some poles or boards or anything and then going down the side of an icy mountain is like the most terrifying thing I can think of. (laughs) But you get the idea. Whatever it is, what do you want to learn that will bring you more joy? What could you learn that would nurture your creativity or nurture your peace of mind or your happiness? Just think about it. I just want to plant the seed for you to start thinking about it because I bet there are a lot of things that you enjoy doing right now that you've already learned how to do. At least that's true for me. I learned how to read. I learned how to write. I learned how to make podcast episodes for you. I learned how to do spooky little ghost story, audio drama ghost stories. I can do the things that make me happy because I learned how to do them. So what have you learned to do that you love doing in your life? And is that enough of a reason for you to think about other things that you might want to learn? And how do you think your life would be different if you had never learned those things that you love doing? And what's stopping you from taking the first steps to learning the next amazing thing? So these are all just questions, just things for you to think about this week to bring more joy and happiness to your days. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show today and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through email, corey at coreyamstrom.com. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. And now here's that ghost story. Cold Shoulder They lay in bed, side by side, the dark pressing in around them. And despite the ice frosting the windows and the howling wind, they each kept to their side of the bed. Windy heard the furnace kick on again somewhere in the bowels of the house. A floorboard creaked. The wind screeched, pressing against the house until the siding moaned. The shed door slammed open and shut, caught in the torrent. With a huff and a tug of the cover, she rolled over onto her side, toward the end table with its thin coat of dust glowing in the moonlight. 12.42, the alarm clock accused. She should have been asleep three hours ago, but all she could do was think about the dishwasher. Her mistake had been to assign the ceremony of after-dinner dishloading to her husband, Barry. She thought she'd removed all possible obstacles for him. She added the powder herself. She'd set the dishwasher to the proper cycle. He just needed to put the dishes in and press one little button. How hard was that? Yet the next thing she knew, she was standing in an inch of soapy hot water. Her house slippers soaked right through. This was the final straw for her. I'm tired, I don't feel well, and the last thing I want to do is come home and spend the night listening to your stupid excuses. You said you'd reseal the dishwasher months ago. I'm sorry, Barry said for the hundredth time, running a hand through his hair. You're always sorry, Barry, she snapped back. And you'll keep being sorry because the only way that dishwasher is getting fixed is if I hire someone to come fix it, because I'll have to be the one to handle it. I'm always the one. He reached out for her. I'll fix it, I promise and let his hand fall, but his reassurances had not placated her, and now her unchecked fury was keeping her awake. The clock flashed 122, 
and she had to get up for work in just five hours. Five hours. The shed door slammed again. I suppose I'm just going to have to lay here listening to that door slam all night, she murmured. I'll shut it, Barry said. He threw back his side of the covers, grabbed his gray house robe off the hook on the back of the bedroom door, and stepped out into the unlit hall. Wendy listened to the stairs creak under his weight, the storm door open and shut behind him. Well, he should be the one to shut the shed door. He was the one who went in there. It was because he had been negligent with the latch to begin with. Even so, he had gotten up. And it must be ten degrees out there, she thought, sitting up in bed. White flurries of snowfall trickled past the window, bright in the moonlight they'd collected, and the wind kept howling. The door slammed once more, and she even thought she heard one of Barry's little grunts. No doubt it required a bit of effort to force the door closed in this persistent wind. I'll kiss him when he gets back, she thought. I'll thank him for going out in the cold just to close the door for me. And if he managed to get around to resealing the dishwasher this weekend, maybe she would do more than kiss him. Wendy lay back down and waited for her husband to return. 1.30, 1.36, 1.41. The clock marched on. What's taking so long? She wondered, dozing. But without her anger and the slamming door to keep her awake, she fell asleep. She woke to the bed sinking beneath her. Barry, she thought. It was just the mattress caving to her husband's weight. But the cold breeze of the night must have followed him into the house, because an icy chill surrounded him. Oh, you're freezing, she said, clutching the covers to her body. He seemed to hesitate and pull back from her. I'm sorry, he whispered, his voice paper thin. Do you forgive me? Of course I forgive you. She snuggled against him, pressing her bottom and hips into his lap. And before she could fall asleep, she said, I'm so sorry, Barry. Thank you for closing the door. I love you so much. She wasn't sure if he replied because she dropped off into sleep herself, shivering beneath the thick blankets. When she woke, the bed was empty. Barry often rose and took the first shower of the day, so she wasn't surprised. And even on the days when he didn't want to shower, it was still his job to start the coffee pot. Yet this morning there was no running shower. No smell of roasting coffee, bitter yet inviting, wafting up to their bedroom from the kitchen below. In fact, the house was colder, quieter than usual. She turned to the clock to find the unlit face. No power. Well, that explained the cold, hanging portentous in the air. Their electric furnace had no doubt been out for hours. Wendy looked out the bedroom window and surveyed the neighborhood. Power lines, gutters, and tree branches were thick with icicles, which shined in the soft orange-pink light of early morning. Mrs. Hamilton across the street was pushing a snowblower at her age. The Thompson children were in the yard laughing and throwing snowballs at the cars that crept slowly past. No doubt Barry was out front digging their cars out of the snow. And Wendy made up her mind not to say anything about the coffee. Wrapped in her flannel robe for warmth, she crept downstairs calling out her husband's name. He didn't answer. Nor did she find him in the driveway cleaning off the cars, both cemented under a mound of crystalline white powder. He must be struggling with the snowblower she thought, as she put the kettle on their gas stove. He's probably in the shed taking it apart and reassembling it like he has to do every winter. 
She would make instant coffee for them both, using the pot of water on their gas stove. She imagined herself carrying the warm cup out to him, imagined the big smile he'd give her when she handed it over with a kiss. She stood at the window, looking out over the snow and listening to the water burble in the pot. Her eyes fell on the closed shut door, on its dark windows. And then she saw the mound of snow in front of the shed door, the fallen wire protruding like a black snake from the tree above the shed. It wasn't until she realized that the scrap of fabric flapping in the breeze was a gray bathrobe that she began to scream. Once the emergency crew reached her house despite the trepid conditions, they examined Barry's body and determined the time of death was to be somewhere between 1 and 3 a.m. It would have been impossible to see the down line in those blizzard conditions, they told her. But that can't be right, she insisted. I felt him crawl back into bed with me. He, he, he held me. He must have gotten up again. Perhaps he heard another noise, the officer said, his eyes full of sympathy and sadness. Wendy knew better. Her husband hadn't gotten out of bed. He had returned to her only once, to find out if he had been forgiven. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.